married sex is more like a Lego set than a Tonka truck. You know, Tonka truck, you take it out of the box, you play with it, you're good to go. A Lego set, the fun is putting it together, but the time comes very soon when you have to tear it apart and put it back together again because the sex yeah. life that served you prior to having children may not work once you do have children, may not work when you reach middle age. And so just having that understanding then you don't freak out when you realize, hey, we used to be so excited and fulfill each other, and now it's taking a little bit of work. That's to be expected. And that, of course, is the voice of legendary Gary Thomas, mm. who we interviewed today with Deborah Faleda. So they've co-written a book called Married Sex. Yep, it just released. And it could, yeah, just released two days ago. It couldn't be more timely yes. for the series that we're going through on the podcast. We're talking about sex and intimacy and all the issues surrounding it. We're going to be asking uh, and answering, hopefully, or providing wisdom around some really hard questions in yeah. this area. And so today is just a true treat. I couldn't imagine a, a better pair to interview for this month yes, on sex and intimacy. definitely in the midst of greatness, I feel like. And just an extra word of caution here. You probably saw the title of this episode and we're like, yeah, let's listen to it. However, if you have little ears that are within earshot, uh, you may want to just make them out of earshot. <laughs> However, that <laughs> yeah. needs to happen, whether you plug in your headphones or... Um, yeah, just not listen to it in the car with little ears. You've been warned. You've been listener. warned. You've been yes. warned. Uh, so in this talk, a few of the things that I really loved, we talked about simmering sexually. <laughs> <laughs> Something along those lines is just extremely enlightening for me personally, I think for us as a couple. Mm. Also, he, they talked about what specifically husbands and wives can do to be attentive to one another. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, the, I think and, the titles of the book were like, what gets him going, what gets her going. Yeah. So in the yeah the chapter titles yeah the chapter titles in the book just to put a little teaser out there for you <laughs> yeah so it's it's going to be a lively conversation we're really happy to have you here with us we trust that it will help you and so we'll see you on the other side. All right, Gary Thomas and Deborah Faleda, welcome to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you guys doing today? Good. Thank you for having us. Doing great. Thanks. Good. Yeah, this is this is a timely, sensitive topic. Uh, today we're we're kicking off our series um, in the month of October, and it's actually very timely because you have you guys both have co-written a book called Married Sex, mm -hmm. uh, and if I'm not mistaken, it releases on October third, fifth, fifth. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so that's a wonderful thing. So it's very timely for us because we're we're this is kicking off our conversation. This mm -hmm. whole month long theme of sex and intimacy in marriage. So I, th I can't think of a better um, uh, team to have on to yeah. our podcast to help to bless our listeners. Uh, and so we're just going to dive right into the conversation, right? Uh, uh, so while the topic of sex, uh, it's culturally, it's commonplace, <laughs> and you guys know this, uh, but it continues to kind of plague uh, the church, right? It continues in, in that it, it just seems like we can't seem to get it right. <laughs> um, I'm speaking broadly, of course, um, and there are many directions to go in this conversation, but what would you say, I guess I'll ask you this. There are tons of books on sex, even in, even within the church, what drove you guys specifically to write this book for this moment in, in our culture? Mm -hmm. Uh, Deborah, why don't you start? Yeah. You know, uh, truth be told, I had this concept in the back of my mind for many years, but recently Gary approached me and said, listen, I want to write this book about the topic of sex in marriage. And I don't want to just tackle it as a pastor. And I don't want to just tackle it as a male. 
So, you know, with me having uh, my counseling credentials and being a female, we just thought it would be a really great collaboration to focus in on the subject of sex in marriage, not necessarily from personal experience, like many books have done, but from expertise experience, from our education, from the experience we've had with patients and clients and, and couples that Gary has counseled as well as I have. And, and so it was just a really exciting um, opportunity to talk about something that we haven't always done the best job of talking about in the big C church. Like you said, we, we haven't always gotten it right. And to be honest, I don't think we will ever get it completely right because we're learning and growing and evolving we're becoming more like Christ along the way where we're, he's revealing more to us as we, as we, you know, move towards the kingdom of God. And so I hope and pray that this is a, a book that gives you the male female perspective um, and, and just offers a lot of new opportunities to talk about sex in a way that we haven't necessarily done in the past. I love that. Gary, what are your thoughts? I mean, what you're, you're both of you actually are prolific authors, Gary, you've written, what, 20, 19 books, 20 books uh, in your career, if not, if not more, uh, you've seen kind of the landscape of the Christian kind of take on this issue. What is Married Sex, the book, bringing to, uh, to, this, to that narrative at this point? Yeah. Well, the spark that really set it off, to be honest, was a chain email from a bunch of national marriage ministry leaders where they just said, we need a new book on this. Some of the earlier ones that were so popular, the ones that my wife and I read when we first got married, we've been married 37 years, Ryan. So, I mean, it's just, it. life changes, culture changes, information can even change. So they were a bit dated. And even some of the more popular ones, people felt like that had a slant or language where, for instance, the wives might say, look, I just, I'm offended by some of this, or I'm not comfortable reading this. And, and a couple of them even suggested, Gary, we think with your style, you know, you're not the academic, but you can reach people. Um, but Deborah's right. I recognize my limitations. This is the kind of book I thought where I want a counselor. And not just the male and female, which I thought was invaluable, but we're from two different generations, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, Deborah and John literally got pregnant writing this book. It would be a miracle along the lines of Abraham and Sarah if Lisa and I got pregnant while writing this book. So um, we felt like they were close enough to it starting out. And then I could deal with some middle-aged issues and later issues. And when you have just one solo author, you can't possibly do that. You forget where you were. You haven't been there before. And I'm just so grateful to God that it turned out this way. I thought really, uh, Deborah did a brilliant job with her chapters. I was very glad she was able to write some of the ones and say some of the things that, that I didn't have to say. Um, but I, I got to tell you, it is a different experience writing on this, particularly when you're reading the audio book. It's one thing to write these words and describe <laughs> what people do. It's another thing to say it out loud. So um, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's different. But the reason I think married sex matters, and, and a Christian couple's guide to reimagine your love life, I want to emphasize Christian. I was one that really wanted to push for Christian mm. in the title, for one to let people mm. know we're trying to go off the owner's, the maker's manual, so to speak, the how-to. that We believe God mm. created sex. Our assumption in this book 
We want to pursue sex the way that God designed it in the way that he designed it. What is the importance that God gives sex? What are the parameters from which God places sex? Mm. Uh, what is the purpose for sex as God looks at it? So um, we, we felt like with us together, we've got the theological and the psychological. We've got the practical. A lot of real life stories I think one of Deborah's great contributions was we got a private Facebook group together. Deborah and I didn't want to just talk about our marriages. And so we had a lot of people that could tell us instances that we just never could have dreamed of or thought mm -hmm. of. And I'm just, I'm just so thrilled with how everything came together. I'm really quite excited for it to get out there. Wow. That's so awesome. I feel like I should be calling you Mr. Thomas because we've read your books when we were married and I, yeah, we're just constantly in awe of all of your guys' work. And I have to admit when the book arrived at our house, I was like, wait, they're not married and they wrote a book on sex. How did that work out? Like, Again, you know, that but... seems to be the first response for some people. <laughs> But obviously it's, you just, you know, the two came together, like you just described. And I think it's so beautiful because, mm. um, at least for our generation and for, I mean, we've been married 18 years now and, you know, there's still lies and things that we struggle with as a couple. And so I guess, Deborah, maybe you can speak to this, um, or both of you, if you want, but let's start with Deborah. Let's, uh, just kind of speaking broadly, what are some of the, the lies that couples tend to believe, uh, when it comes to their sex life? Yeah. Well, backing up, I think it's important to, to note that when we wrote the book, we also tag team it, tag teamed it in a way where Gary was covering his chapters of expertise, like the theological components, the, the in-depth look at the song of Solomon, where I was covering my chapters from a counselor's perspective. And so we each kind of took turns and, and took the chapters that we really felt like we could speak into the most. I think one, one mistake that some authors make is they speak into everything, even things outside of their area of expertise. So I really like that we were able to, to do that. And so one of the things that I cover is the lies that we bring into marriage. I call them our false sexpectations mm -hmm. um, because they're things that are so subtle that sometimes you don't even realize you're believing them about sex you don't even uncover some of the beliefs. You just act out of them without realizing that they're rooted in things that aren't true. And those lies can come from our family of origin, how you were raised and how your family talked or didn't talk about sex informs what you believe and think about sex. Your past sexual experiences create a template of beliefs and, and, and things that you then bring into marriage maybe abuse history, trauma history, all of these things then kind of begin to inform the way that you look at sex. And honestly, even the things that we learn in church, you know, I look back at some of the, the narratives that I learned in youth group and, and some of the things that well-intentioned people um, try, try to help you understand this topic but then we don't always do it justice, you know, and, and, and I, I really believe we just don't talk about it enough. And so some of the false expectations that we might have, for example, is that we're not going to have any problems in sex. And then when you have a problem and you're, you're like, wait, I'm a Christian, I saved sex for marriage. Why am I having problems? But I, I, I say in the book, just because you wait, doesn't make it great. I mean, it's not a guarantee and, and you don't wait 
because of what it will do for your sex life. You wait because of what it's doing in you and your character and your obedience and your faith and your self-control. So that's just one example of some of the things that we bring in that we really have to face and work through if we want to have a healthy sex life. Wow, that's phenomenal. An analogy I might use to build on what Deborah just said, because I've had some friends that are professional golfers. Even if you get your game to the highest level, things go wrong. All of a sudden you can't putt or your drive starts to go bad. So sex is a physical activity. So it's something that can be learned but then you have to relearn it. And then things happen because bodies change, situations change. The climate of a marriage is very different when you're young and don't have kids and you've got energy and all of that time. It changes dramatically when you've got pregnancy hormones and nursing hormones. And then when you've got teenager stuff and it changes as you get into middle age and older age. And so sex is a skill that has to be not just discovered and honed, but, but relearned and reapplied. Mm. Um, I, I love one of Julie Slattery's analogies that married sex is more like a Lego set than a Tonka truck. You know, Tonka truck, you take it out of the box, you play with it, you're good to go. A Lego set, the fun is putting it together, but the time comes very soon when you have to tear it apart and put it back together again, because the sex yeah. life that served you prior to having children may not work once you do have children may not work when you reach middle age or certainly become a senior citizen. And so just having that understanding, then you don't freak out when you realize, hey, we used to be so excited and fulfill each other. And now it's taking a little bit of work. That's to be expected. Yeah. And something that Gary just said about the Legos kind of got me thinking, you know, we, we often have to deconstruct before we can build up again with our sex life. And I look at, there's two extremes when it comes to conversations about sex. On one hand, we've got the world and the porn culture speaking into what we think sex should look like, what it should feel like, all of these different things that are false expectations. You know, they set us up for uh, despair. They set us up for disappointment. They set us up for these unrealistic expectations. And on the other hand, many times the church culture is speaking inadvertently shame or, you know, you shouldn't talk about this. You shouldn't do this. I've worked with couples who have been married for four years and haven't been able to have sex because of shame. It's just so much guilt and shame surrounding the subject. So sometimes even before marriage, you've got to begin deconstructing what has been built up about sex so that you can begin building on a solid foundation of God's truth and the mm-hmm. solid foundation of just what, what it looks like to be psychologically and spiritually healthy in your sex life. Man, I love that. So timely. Um, and it actually speaks to this point that I, I read in the book. I think, Gary, you were talking about um, the ordinary, like ordinary <laughs> sex. And, and, and so it's just a perfect segue because you know, we, uh, we do come into marriage or even within our marriage, we've been married, you know, Selena said 18 years, uh, even now, like it doesn't, you don't have to be newlyweds to have these, these expectations that it's going to be like this Tonka truck every time brand new and all that kind of stuff. Instead, the deconstruction of it and the good deconstruction of it, not the, not the negative kind of bad sense of that. Um, but Gary, you talk about when you're writing sermons and how you feel like you want to make the very best sermon possible and you put all the illustrations in, you pack all the information in 
go through it and you realize, oh man, it's way too long. You start cutting stuff out and you start realizing, oh no, it's not going to be as great as I thought. It's going to be another ordinary sermon. Um, but then you go on to say that there's a place for the ordinary and there's a place for ordinary sex um, that has its time and place specifically in marriage. So what, what led you to address kind of that phenomenon? I found that so refreshing yeah. to, to say like, yeah. Well, I think we can bury the beauty of sexuality by putting too many expectations on it. Sometimes it can be surprisingly wonderful and amazing, but other times it's, it's just got a different purpose. If you talk to a couple that has a difficult time conceiving a child, there are moments when you're having sex to conceive a child. It's not necessarily primarily about pleasure or even connection. You're trying to get a physical job done, but it's a miraculous job. I mean, you're trying to create a human being, and that's so overwhelming. In the epilogue, I shared about how uh, Lisa and I had had weeks go by, and, and we haven't had too many sexual deserts in our marriage, but we had a, our oldest daughter who was very close to dying, was in ICU for almost a week. Every day, these Ivy League trained physicians are telling us, this is what we're doing to keep your daughter alive today. And our life is about platelets and white blood cell counts and numbers that I've just forgotten that just become familiar. And Lisa mentioned how long it had been. I said, wow, really? And, and so we ended up being intimate again. But at that point, it's, it was more like Life is back to normal, you know, that a huge threat, almost losing a child has passed, and you're just sort of reconnecting. We can be a married couple again. And so I, I think what I love about married sex, speaking not about the book, but the, <laughs> the actual married sex, is that it's a lifelong relationship with a lot of different seasons, a lot of different purposes, a lot of different incantation so to speak where you're sometimes it's about fun sometimes it's about connecting sometimes it's intense sometimes it's athletic sometimes it's funny sometimes it just reminds you i'm hurting we need to reconnect that, that you'll have any number of different kinds of sex if you're married for a long period of time and appreciating each one and not evaluating them that they're not like Hollywood sex every time. And that's the wonder of the, the Christian vision of sex, right? The biblical vision of sex is it is all those things. It can be all those things because there's the covenantal, like biblical love, gospel centered, you know, that worldview that undergirds all of those reasons why sex is good. Um, and so I, I love that you guys, and that's one thing just as a sidebar, as I was reading through uh, the book, I appreciate the, that you you let the Bible speak on what it speaks on, and you don't apologize for that. But then you also don't don't make it say things it doesn't say, even about controversial things. And so I think there's a lot of power in that. You let the Bible do what it does, and then we then exercise wisdom in the kind of the gray areas. Um, so uh, given that, and this is this is kind of along those lines. Um, and Deborah, I'll, I'll aim this question at you if you don't mind. Um, what are the, the greatest challenges? Okay, so we've talked about some of the um, expectations and like past experiences and uh, lies. lies. What, what do you see as, as the greatest threat or maybe a, what are the greatest threats for Christian married couples and thriving in this area? Um, we've talked about maybe pornography. We've talked about wrong, wrong kind of paradigms. Yeah. Is there more to that? Honestly, 
I probably come at this from a little bit of a different angle because I'm a licensed counselor and I'm working with so many couples. I find that many times couples come in to see me and what they think is a sex problem is really actually a relationship problem. What they see as a problem underneath the sheets is really a problem with their life and connection above the sheets. And I think of a couple that I worked with who said, we have a great relationship, but we have a terrible sex life. We don't ever have sex. And you realize that their version of great relationship and my version of great relationship are very different. You know, when you're a counselor, you, you start digging and what do you mean by a great relationship? Well, their emotional connection just wasn't there. Their spiritual connection just wasn't there. They were like really pleasant, polite roommates. And in their mind, not fighting, not arguing, you know, getting along, agreeing for the most part was their version of having a great marriage. So when that lack of emotional intimacy then translates to a lack of spiritual intimacy, of sexual intimacy, they're surprised by it. Whereas I look at the relationship as a whole and I think, you know what, there's so much more work we could do to, to really connect emotionally and spiritually. And I really believe that the overflow of, of a good emotional connection is a good sexual connection. And that's not a hundred percent of the time, but in rare cases, you see a couple struggling with their sex life because of some sort of physical or hormonal problem. Usually it's a lack of communication. It's a lack of respect and, and feeling loved. It's a lack of feeling encouraged by your spouse, appreciated by your spouse, understood by your spouse. You know, there's so much more to building a good sex life than just the practical tips and tricks. Now we cover so many of the practical tips and tricks in the book, such as positions and things that you can actually do physically. But if your emotional and spiritual connection isn't where it needs to be, it's going to overflow into your bedroom, no matter what you try to do. Well, yeah. Then that, then the practical stuff starts to feel out of place. Right. You don't have the, that foundational or it only lasts so long, you know, let's say, right. let's say you get the best practical touch here, turn here, do this, do that. Okay. That's great for one experience, but then the lack of emotional and spiritual connection brings you back to baseline, you know? Hmm. So I think all of this stuff is really important to assess when you're looking at the big picture of your sex life. It also means looking at all of the other components as well. So and I appreciate that you said this is generally speaking, um, some of the, a lot of the dysfunction can be attributed back to a lack of emotional connection, spiritual connection, things like that. But there are those, those, those outliers, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess I just want to articulate some of the concerns we get, because we get a lot of folks that write in mm -hmm. listeners that write in even people in our immediate friend group where they have, uh, you know, it's a husband or the wife, they consistently desire sex, but the other one doesn't doesn't desire it physically in the same way, but wants to love their spouse through um, being available for them sexually. But and then that lack of desire, but it's almost like a dutiful desire to, to love, but there's lack of that passion and that sexual desire there. And so that lack of desire then makes the, the other spouse think, well, what's the point? You don't want to be with me. So what advice would you have for that couple? And I don't, I don't know if this is covered specifically in the book. I don't remember reading it. But what, what advice would you have for that couple? Um, again, just to rearticulate the question, if they 
the husband will say wants to have sex regularly. The wife wants to love her husband well, but she has no desire for it. And that makes the husband feel unloved. What yeah. encouragement would you have for that couple? Yeah. Well, the good news is this is definitely covered in the book. There's one whole section in the problem spots chapter about low drive, sex drive, low drive, high drive. And I think the important thing to remember is that this fluctuates in different seasons. And it's very common in a marriage for sometimes that high desire spouse to be the man, but it's also very common for other seasons that high desire spouse to be the woman. And so I think the key to really getting to the bottom of this is getting to the root of the why. Why is there a lack of sexual desire? You know, rather than what can we do now? You know, how many times should we have sex and, and how frequently should we have sex? And, you know, it's not, it's not just about trying to solve the problem with having more sex. It's really getting to the bottom of the why. Mm. And for, in some cases, the why is going to be a hormone struggle. You know, many women who are premenopausal or going through menopause, um, you, you start seeing hormone changes in your early thirties that really affect your sex life. But if you don't know what's happening, you can think, oh my goodness, my sex drive is just gone and I don't know what to do about it. You know, so, so you want to be looking for the, why is it a hormonal issue? Is it because you know what, sex isn't that enjoyable for you. And maybe that's why you don't want to have sex very often. So if that's the, why, then we've got to figure out what does it look like to come together and make sex an enjoyable mutual experience for both of you. If the, why is emotional issues, then we get to the root of those emotional issues if the why is a physical pain, we get to the root of that physical pain. I think part of the problem is when it comes to different desires, we try to solve the problem by figuring out, well, how many times can we get sex on the calendar per week? And, and maybe you guys need another date night to try to get yourselves in the mood. But if we're not getting to the root of the why, all of that stuff is just adding a, a, a temporary fix to the problem without really getting to a long-term solution. Yeah. And maybe the, I think the hope for Christians, cause I have, you know, we have talked with friends about they're scared to say why, you know, there's not that, ah, cause it feels like it might be attacking or the, you know, your spouse gets defensive or whatever. And so I think, and maybe you guys can attest to this or offer some clarity, but I think the hope of our covenant, um, uh, just grounds us, I guess, to be able to have those hard conversations, even if we're not good at them, um, to be able to just come to the table again and again, say, I know that this is a hard subject to talk about. I don't want to hurt you. How can we navigate this better? I understand these things. Um, yeah, I don't know if uh, Gary, you want to speak to that at all or. Deborah has a a great section in the book about how to talk about things sexual. Mm -hmm. it's just it's almost universal it's easier to have sex than talk about it i i I don't know why (laughs) but that section really is designed to help people understand hey what's going on and then in our chapter on um the five senses we end the chapter with hey here's some questions think about this how do you think this sense could enhance our our lovemaking from the past? Or what do you think about this? Or is there something you'd like to try? And then we try to get them to talk about positions and the chapter, choose your adventure. We talk about how every sexual position can speak of a very different kind of sexual experience. Mm-hmm. Um, again, athletic, soulful connection, mm-hmm. sensual, fun, mm-hmm. y- you name it. And, and just getting couples to 
consider that and and we know it's it's not easy but i do think talking is the way to go um and we really try to give some helps for couples that want to do just that wow okay so um we're going to continue our conversation uh at length um on our learning platform gospel-centered marriage but before we do that i have some really i have some kind of final questions for for you too or we have some final questions for you too (laughs) um we have a lot of a lot of listeners who uh kind of tend to trend on the lower kind of lower age marriage age demographic right married you know one two three up to you know up to 10 years i'll say gary given that you guys just celebrated what did you say your 37th anniversary yes that? yeah that's phenomenal so you're 37 years in and you're going strong and you wrote a book you literally you know wrote the book on married sex <laughs> at this point <laughs> the two of you did um what advice can you give to a young couple and they're in their first, second, third year of marriage? They want to build a, a life together that includes a thriving sex life. How, like what, what fixed point on the horizon would you have them set their eyes on at this point? Yeah. And how would you direct them to navigate? Yeah. Let your sexual relationship be opened up by discovery. One of the things Deborah accused me of wanting to be a wannabe amateur neuroscientist, to which I plead guilty. <laughs> I'm fascinated by neuroscience. And even having been married to Lisa for 37 years, reading about it to do the research for this book showed me how much ignorance we have. Ryan, this is what fascinated me. Dr. Daniel Amen, who's done literally tens of thousands of brain scans, has said, I can't tell you if I'm looking at an Hispanic brain, a Caucasian brain, an African-American brain, or an Asian brain. I know immediately if I'm looking at a male brain or a female brain. And so the husband has to discover this feels different to my wife than it feels to me. I found out, I didn't know this, a woman's skin can be up to 10 times more sensitive than a man's skin, which explains a lot of the frustration somehow women wanting more foreplay because it actually feels better for them and why men say their wives touches are a little too light and wives might say their husband's touches are a little too forceful. You, you, you could trace that to the brain. Now here's the thing though. Every woman is different and every man is different. You could do great damage to your marriage, treating your husband like most men want to be treated. If that's not how he wants to be treated. And then with women <laughs> who she is on Friday, sexually could be dramatically different than who she is on Sunday. I mean, just, as things change and hormones change. And so empathy and understanding in the early parts of marriage, discover each other, find out what feels good, get comfortable with each other's bodies. There could be different reasons why women are difficult feeling naked in front of their husbands or husbands in front of their wives. Try to get as comfortable as you can, maybe by degrees. Um, And then don't just focus on penetrative sex, focus on the journey to it to see what feels good. And maybe the wife guides the husband's hands or maybe they just talk about, or maybe they take penetrative sex off the table and say, let's just find out what feels good. But take the time to discover, to build empathy and understanding and realize that bodies change over time. So this is a lifelong process, but don't just expect that you know what feels good for your spouse or that you can just do it. discovery is, is a big part, I think, of sexual satisfaction. Love it. So, so again, Gary, you're at the, the 37 year mark going strong, talking to 
the the newlywed couple, but there's this huge gap in between <laughs> where you've got middle-aged marriage and you've got young kids and you've got chaos and you've got career and you've got all the you know issues of life. Deborah, can you speak to the couple who's just feeling like, you know what, I'd love to have sex maybe sometime next month, right? Because I got so much going on and my kids are crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm in that stage with the kids being crazy. Um, four kids, you know, our youngest is eight months old. And it's just, it, it, it it's easy to see why couples in the seven to 20 year marriage mark kind of struggle with intimacy and sex. And I think one of the things that honestly, one of my favorite chapters in the book is called what gets you going. And I think it's my favorite because it's not the typical Christian advice. Like usually you want to focus on your spouse, what gets your spouse going. And I think that's great. And it's, it's part of what we're talking about as well. But if you don't focus on taking ownership and responsibility for your own sex drive, your own sexual pleasure. You're going to get stuck in the trap of thinking that sex is just another place to give and to output. And I don't have anything left and I am empty and I can't give anyone anything else. And I've had kids touching me all day and I've been working hard all day and I'm just done, you know, but, but sex isn't just about giving sex is also about receiving in a healthy Christian marriage you go to receive just as much as you go to give. And I think where we've really done a disservice is to make it feel like it's just the sacrificial act rather than, especially for me as a woman, rather than seeing it as this beneficial act of receiving a chance to get filled up at the end of a long draining day, a chance to feel loved and connected and secure. And so a lot of that is in how I view sex, my mentality about sex, what, what thoughts I have about it throughout the day, what I believe the purpose of sex is, and then how do I take responsibility for getting my heart at a place where it's ready to receive? And so I think, you know, again, that's, that's one of my favorite chapters, but I also think it makes sense that it's one of my favorite chapters as a mom of four in the 15 year mark of marriage, where there's a lot of things that can take over a lot of priorities that can trump the, the beauty of a healthy, loving sex life. So that, that would be my advice is just take some responsibility for what you bring to the bedroom. Wow. Excellent. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So Gary Thomas, Deborah Folletti, you guys have done a, um, a service to the, <laughs> the church in, in overtly addressing this issue of sex in Christian marriage in a Christian context. So I can't thank you guys enough. Listeners, if you're hearing this and any of this uh, piques your interest, which I'm sure it does, you can find Marriage Sex. Uh, what's, the, what's the subtitle to the book, you guys? I don't have it in front of me. A Christian Couple's Guide to Reimagining Your Love Life. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So A Christian Couple's Guide to Reimagining Your Love Life. Uh, married sex. You can find that anywhere books are sold, I'm sure. Um, and do do that and it will bless you um, not only now, but for years to come. Do you guys have any um, closing thoughts on that? No, the main website is marriedsex.us for more information. And mm. I really believe this is going to be one of those books you want to keep on your nightstand and you're going to mm -hmm. refer to it in different seasons of marriage. And we just pray that God would truly not just bless your sex life, but bless your marriage overall as you read through. That's awesome. Okay. Well, we're going to continue the conversation 
for longer. And we're going to get a little bit more specific, very practical uh, in gospel-centered marriage. That's our online learning platform for uh, Christian couples looking to go deeper in the things of God and with one another. And so we hope you'll join us there. But uh, to our listeners, we'll say goodbye. Gary and Deborah, thank you so much for joining Mm -hmm. us. And uh, we'll see you on the inside. Thanks Thanks for for having having us. us. All right, fierce listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Gary and Deborah about their book, Married Sex, as well as the subject of married sex. Uh, As we mentioned in the episode, uh, Gary and Deborah were kind enough to stick around for another full session's worth of content. And that content is available in our online learning platform for married couples. It's called Gospel Centered Marriage. You can go to gospelcenteredmarriage.com to sign up there. You'll get access to this specific enrichment course with Gary and Deborah. You'll also get access to our entire suite of marriage enrichment material, and we do monthly Zoom calls with our gospel-centered marriage enrollees. So I hope you'll take us up on that, and I think this session is worth it alone. But to sweeten the deal, we're going to do a special 25% off discount for this month. The discount is this, Sexy Time. So to sign up, just go to gospelcenteredmarriage.com and select your plan there, and then use the promo code SEXYTIME at checkout, and you'll get full access to the best of what we have to offer as a marriage ministry. We hope you'll take us up on that, and we hope to see you on the inside. Otherwise, we hope the Fierce Marriage Podcast continues to bless you and your family as you continue your journey toward building a fierce, God-honoring marriage. God bless.